Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, October the 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2022, when we take a look at reading for the next Sunday, which is the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, October the 23rd, the week before the Reformation. The readings for this 20th Sunday from Genesis 4 about Cain killing Abel. Again, a continuation of the Second Timothy readings of Paul instructing Timothy about the importance of Scripture. We're going to be taking a look at a parable that Jesus spoke about in Luke 18 with verse 9. It's a well-known parable, but is it really well understood? Jesus also told this parable to trust in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, the Pharisees, this is outside the Bible. Well, it's what the Bible says. The Pharisees were really well appreciated by the people in Judaism. They were the leaders in the church or in that religion. And people looked up to them because they seemed that they were so honest and men of integrity whereas a tax collector was really hated by the Jews because he was a Jewish person who worked for the Romans in collecting taxes. So the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, what is the conclusion that Jesus gives? I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. Now, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the Pharisee, he is saying he's not an extortioner. He's not unjust. He's not an adulterer. And he's not even like this tax collector. He fasts twice a week. He gives tithes of all that I get. Now, what is so wrong about that? Especially since these are laws of the Old Testament. To give a tithe, uh, to fast, not to be unjust, adulterer, or an extortioner. Well... This is the blindness of the Pharisee. He does not realize that he is 
like other men, unjust, etc. How? Because sin is not just an action. The Pharisee may never have considered doing an adulterous act, but he may have thought about it. And in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, even the thought of that is as though you have done it. And unjust? Well, there's no doubt that the Pharisees were behind the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. How unjust can you become? And then notice the commandments that he's talking about that he follows. He fasts twice a week. He gives tithes of all that he gets. Now, those are what are called ceremonial laws. They're part of the Old Testament, but they were done to remind us of the coming of Jesus Christ. We no longer follow that. We do not remove a person from the congregation if he doesn't give a tithe of everything he gets. And fasting, that's not necessary as part of the faith of a Christian. So he's taking a look at ceremonial laws and thinking that by obeying them, guess what? He is right with God. In fact, he thanks God that he is not like other men, when in reality, he is a sinner like all of us. The tax collector, he beats his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, that's the reason why Jesus says, wow, those who repent, they are going to be justified rather than the person who tries to justify himself. In fact, that's the whole point of the parable. If you go back to verse 9, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. See, that's what we mean by self-righteousness, that you don't need Jesus Christ. You don't have to be repentant of your sin because you're not a sinner like the tax collector working for the Romans, collecting for them. But the tax collector understands the proper relationship he has with Jesus. And that's why he says, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God is merciful to him. He justifies the tax collector. What does that mean? Well, he declares him to be righteous in God's sight. Because Pharisee is thanking God that he's able to follow ceremonial laws. The tax collector is asking God to be merciful because he is 
unable to follow any law properly. And that's why God is merciful to him. What does mercy mean? Mercy means that you do not receive what you deserve. And therefore, God is gracious in giving the tax collector what he doesn't deserve, namely the righteousness of God. And that's how he becomes justified. Jesus says, everyone who exalts himself humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, if you read Philippians, you will find that that's precisely what Jesus does. He becomes a human being and humbles himself. Now, recently I heard of a pastor who taught that when Jesus became a human being, he lost his divinity and he did not remain divine until he ascended up into heaven. In other words, the pastor was making the point that because we are like Jesus as human beings, we too can do what Jesus did. Well, I can't remember the last time I took a little bit of fish and bread and fed 5,000 people. I can't remember the last time a dear friend of mine who died that like Lazarus him from the dead. I can't remember the last time that I had the notion that I could die for the sins of others and pay for their sins. Because Jesus was always divine, he was enabled to do that which we are not able to do. In fact, the idea that Jesus was not divine when he was a human being, that really contradicts parts of the Bible. When Thomas saw Jesus in his resurrected state, remember how he referred to Jesus? My Lord and my God. Jesus had not yet ascended back into heaven in the sense of his ascension. That was to take place later. But the fact is, Thomas still referred to him as God. So we believe, teach, and confess that though he was incarnate, though he became a human being, that was for the point of humbling himself in order that he would be exalted to the right hand of God and all would bow before him. Now, Jesus even gives an example about how even his own disciples were wrong in an area. They were bringing, this is verse 15 of Luke 18, they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Now, see, that's the disciples rebuking these women 
who are bringing infants to Jesus, that he might touch them. Why was that important? Because Jesus would say, receive these children, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. A lot of people get worried that as Christians, they have a baby, but before they are able to baptize the baby, the baby dies. And then they believe that because the baby was not baptized, it did not go to heaven. But there are a number of ways in which it is clear that God can save a baby apart from baptism. Remember the man, John the baptizer? What was to his father by Gabriel? That before he was born, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. John the baptizer was saved while he was still in the womb. And we know that because he jumped for joy when Jesus entered into his room, even though Jesus was in the womb of Mary just for a few hours when she had gone to visit Elizabeth John the baptizer's mother. And here Jesus touches children and indicates that therefore do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. You see, in Judaism, there were certain characteristics of people that put them on a lower level than the rest of those who had been bar mitzvahed, confirmed. And they were included children as well as women. There was a court of women for those in the temple and the court of the Gentiles. And they were not permitted in the proper place of the temple for worship. And that included people who had been ill, such as those who were lame, those who were mute, those who were deaf. And Jesus even healed lepers. And what were they told to do? To go to the priest. And when they went to the priest and they were declared to be healed, they were then permitted to go back into the temple. So Jesus is destroying this distinction that was made up by those in, well, Judaism. Judaism was a different religion than that taught by the Old Testament prophets. Remember Abraham. How did he become righteous? Not by doing a good work but by believing the promise from God that through him, God, that Abraham and Sarah would have a child named Isaac who would be a wonderful blessing to many nations. Now, Abraham was way older and so was Sarah to have a child, but he believed it 
and God declared them to be righteous because of his faith in the promise. It's called the new covenant. The old covenant that some people still believe, in fact, every religion in the world believes, is that our works decide whether we go to heaven or hell. If we do good works, guess what? Heaven is our home. But if we continue to sin, then hell may be our home. Well, that's not according to the Bible. According to the Bible, even a murderer can end up going to heaven as he repents of his sin. The Apostle Paul is a great example of this. He murdered Christians, seeking them out, putting them in prison, and having them die for their faith in Jesus Christ. Until he had that experience on the road to Damascus. Now remember what Paul says about himself. If you want to consider him good, boy, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He followed all the ceremonial laws. He was looked up by many in Judaism because he attempted to crush those who believed in Jesus Christ which Judaism considered to be a great sinner, namely Jesus, because of his teaching that even a tax collector could be forgiven. And so when Jesus finally raised Lazarus from the dead, that was the last straw. It's not that the Pharisees did not believe that Lazarus raised from the dead. They believed that Jesus did it through Beelzebub as the devil. And of course, Jesus argued, why would the devil be fighting against himself in raising people from the dead as Jesus was able to do? So if you look at the life of Paul prior to his conversion, he was a top Pharisee. He could thank God that he wasn't like tax collectors. He fasted during the week. He gave tithes of all that he would get. And so by following those laws, did he consider himself to be saved? No. And for the disciples to rebuke the mothers for bringing children to Jesus, they did not realize that the children needed to come to him and not be hindered. For as Jesus says, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Now, how does a child become a member of the kingdom of God? Well, it's through the means of grace. And what are the means of grace? The means of grace are using the word and the two sacraments, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper, to initiate faith, to increase faith, and to give a person an assurance that heaven will be their home. Why? 
because there are promises connected to those sacraments. Jesus gave a promise to Abraham. Abraham believed it. And guess what? He was declared righteous. In the same way, as parents bring their children to baptism, they are declared righteous because they are looking to Jesus and him alone to save their children and bring them into a right relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember what Peter says at Pentecost. You will receive two gifts, the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Pharisees did not think they needed those gifts. They didn't need the forgiveness of sins because they weren't that bad a sinner. Tax collectors, prostitutes, they were far worse. And therefore, they were even angry at Jesus for sitting and eating with them. Because when you sat in those days and ate with someone, you were considering them to be an equal. It's interesting that on the Passover, Jesus did not eat the Passover with his family, that last Passover. He ate it with his disciples because they were understanding him in a way that his own family did not understand him. He was preaching once, and they attempted to stop him, his family, because he was talking about he was really the Messiah, the messenger of God. And that embarrassed them because they considered him like many of the rest in that city of Nazareth, simply to be a carpenter. Even Mary was not of proper faith at times. When, for example, on the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, she had joined with the other women in going to the grave to anoint Jesus for burial. Even though he had said so clearly, I will go to Jerusalem, I will die, but three days later, I will rise from the dead. Even Mary did not understand that. Now there was the woman who anointed the feet of Jesus because she was anointing him for burial, as Jesus said. Well, why didn't she wait until he was buried? Because she believed the promise that he would be risen from the dead in three days. And therefore, if she had waited until Sunday to go to anoint him, he would not be there. That's how strong her faith was, that she anointed him ahead of time with costly perfume, which Judas and probably others were criticizing her for using it on Jesus when she could have sold it and given it to the poor. But Jesus says, you have the poor always. But me, 
you will not always have with you. So this passage from Luke 18 talks about the difference, not just between those who are Pharisees and those who are believers, but the difference between unbelievers and believers. The reason a person is an unbeliever is because they think they can justify themselves. They look at their life, compare it to others, and think that they are so far better that they do not need the gifts of Jesus Christ, namely the forgiveness of sins. And so there's no need to repent because you would only repent if you were a worse sinner than someone else that you know. And they did not consider themselves to be worse than the tax collectors. So there's no sin that you have done that Jesus did not die for. That's the assurance of our salvation. Because from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And as we repent of our sins, God hears that prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's not the prayer of the Pharisee. God, thank you for saving me, because I'm not a sinner. No, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And that's why a preaching of the law is so important to help people see the mirror that they ought to be looking in, that they sin by thought, word, and deed, and nothing can pay for their sins that they are able to do. But the cross of Christ does pay for those sins. And through faith, we believe the promises of God that in Christ Jesus, we find our Redeemer, our Savior, and the one who has come to take us to heaven. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, the hymn we're going to be looking at is entitled, In God, My Faithful God. And we'll notice that though we are faithless, God is always faithful to us. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Law and Gospel. Join with us tomorrow. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.